Hey everyone, before we get into this one, I want to issue a minor content warning and a spoiler warning. I'm going to get a little bit further into the content of this one than I have for either of the prior two, and the subject matter is a lot darker than the last two movies. I'm going to handle that subject better as best as I can and try not to speak out of turn. Let's get into it. Grave of the Fireflies started out its life as a 1967 semi-autobiographical short story by Japanese author Akiyuki Nosaka. Born in 1930, the book chronicles a similar telling of events from his life when he survived through the firebombings of Kobe in 1945. One of his sisters died of illness, his adoptive father died from the firebombing itself, and his younger adoptive sister Keiko died of malnutrition. The short story is written as a personal apology to Keiko taking responsibility for her death. While a lot of the details changed from the real story to print to the movie, the events stay pretty much the same. The film begins on the 21st of September in 1945, shortly after Japan's surrender at the end of World War II. The main character Seda is sitting on the floor of a Kobe train station dying of malnutrition, and once he passes away, a janitor starts to go through his possessions, finding a tin of Sakuma drops, a type of candy that has been sold in Japan since 1908. The janitor throws it out of the train station into a field, and the burnt remains of several bones fall out of the container, along with the ghost of Seda's younger sister, Setsuko. The ghosts of both children are joined by a huge cloud of fireflies, and they board a train. The film starts at the end of the story, but after they board the train, it jumps back to the beginning, where Seda and Setsuko's house is destroyed in a firebombing along with the majority of Kobe. While both children survive, their mother shortly after succumbs to her wounds sustained from severe burns, and they animate that in great detail. They don't glorify it, but what they do show is disturbing and an accurate reflection of the reality of these wounds. The two children move in with their aunt, and Seda gets the supplies he buried prior to the firebombing and brings it to her. Everything is given to her except for a tin of Sakuma drops. As time goes on, rations start to run short, and more people move into the house because there's not enough places for everyone to live, and the aunt convinces Seda to sell his mother's kimono as a way of repaying their debt to her. The aunt gets sick of taking care of the children and begins to resent them. The siblings grow tired of getting insulted and decide to move out into the wilderness, eventually taking shelter in an abandoned bomb shelter. At first, they're excited and treat it like any kid with an outdoor clubhouse would, decorating it and trying to make as much fun out of it as possible. And when it gets dark at night, Seda tries to comfort Setsuko by releasing fireflies into the shelter for light, keeping them in with a net over the entrance. The next morning when she wakes up, Setsuko finds out that the fireflies have died. She hand digs a grave for them, buries them, and asks Seda why her mom had to die. They begin to run out of food, and Seda starts stealing during the air raids where people abandon their homes and from farms. He gets caught and is beaten returning home to find that Setsuko is very sick. 
he takes her to a doctor and finds out that she's suffering from malnutrition. With nowhere else left to turn, he goes to the bank and withdraws the last bit of money that his mother had left for them. When he leaves, he finds out that Japan has surrendered in World War II. Already upset to know that Japan has given up and the war was fought for nothing, he also finds out it's highly likely that his father, a captain in the Japanese navy, is most likely dead, as most of Japan's navy has been sunk. Seda returns to the bomb shelter to give food to Setsuko to find her hallucinating from starvation. She has a rock in her mouth and she's been eating them, thinking that they were the Sakuma drops. She dies before Seda can finish making her a meal. He puts her body in a straw casket along with a stuffed doll she's been very fond of throughout the movie, and cremates her, before putting her remains into the tin of Sakuma drops along with a picture of their father. The two children are now ghosts on the train again, and they are happy and healthy. They arrive on a hilltop, surrounded by that same cloud of fireflies, and the film ends with them looking over present-day Kobe. This movie is really hard to watch. So hard to watch, in fact, that full disclosure, I did not watch it in 11th time before this recording like I said I would in the last episode. I didn't think I'd be able to bring myself to actually record an episode about it if I had just sat through it. Thankfully, it leaves such a lasting effect on everybody that watches it. After 10 viewings, I essentially have every single scene and detail etched into the back of my eyelids. A really good friend of mine and one of the funniest, most lighthearted people I know recently talked to me about this movie saying that he was excited for my episode on it. He said it was his favorite animated movie and then proceeded to describe something to me that I've heard plenty of times before. Every time I've shown somebody this movie, they've described the same feeling afterwards for any time from a half hour to the whole rest of the day to days after, where you just feel empty. The amount of suffering in this movie hangs heavy on the shoulders and I like to think has a lasting effect on people and their outlook on a lot of historical events. In school, when we'd get to a unit on World War II, it would tend to end talking about Japan after just bringing up Oh yeah, we dropped two nukes on them because they attacked Pearl Harbor and that's how America joined the war. Good teachers go into the effects of the nuclear bombs and show the effect it had on civilians, but still most classes end there because there's a lot of history in World War II to cover, and we have a test on it next Tuesday. But a film like this gets past the curtain and shows the effects of war on somebody that we tend to avoid trying to talk about, children. Children that have been subjected to so much propaganda that they've been indoctrinated to the belief that winning in the end will justify any means. I feel very lucky to have been born in a time and place where I've never had to see conflict and I've always been safe. But there are kids all over the world that don't have that same blessing that I do. My whole life, as long as I remember, strangers and the media and even relatives have told me that I'm a part of a soft generation, a generation that wouldn't be able to do what needs to be done. And perhaps they're right. For some reason, I don't have the ability that all of these talking heads seem to have when they talk about an event or conflict where they only see enemies. Thanks to the 24-hour news cycle and the internet, I've seen a lot more footage than I would have liked to of what people chalk up and call collateral damage. But thanks in no small part to this movie, when I see that footage, I can't help but think of all the lives that just ended or were completely ruined for nothing. 
Grave of the Fireflies gave me a point of perspective I never would have had without it. It is the first Ghibli movie not to be directed by Hayao Miyazaki and to instead be directed by Aisao Takahata. The soundtrack was also not done by Joe Hisaishi, it was done by Michio Mamiya, and I think both of them are still just as high quality. It's a beautiful film that breaks me every time I watch it, and while I hate the feeling that it leaves me with, I think it's necessary and everybody should experience it once. This movie is art to the highest degree, and nothing has come close to making me feel the way that it does. If you're going to watch one Studio Ghibli movie out of all of the ones that I'm going to be reviewing, make it this one. While I apologize for the much shorter episode, and we're going to call it less excited tone, I'm going to call this one here because I understand that I'm speaking from a point of privilege that a lot of others don't have. I don't want to make an ass out of myself talking about things I don't understand and hopefully never will have to. The next episode is going to be about My Neighbor Totoro, and I hope to see you guys there. Thank you.